Good morning. What is good to be here with you today, especially in the shadow of All Saints Day. And then, of course, as we celebrate, as we read these hymns and sing these hymns today, God is giving us a picture of what already is and what is yet to come. I read from Revelation. After these things I looked, and behold, I saw a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation is unto our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Today, St. John gives us a glimpse of what is and what is yet to come. He gives us a glimpse of what God the Father is doing, has done, in the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. People gathered by and people gathered in the forgiving presence of Jesus Christ. And it has come to fruition in this picture that we see today in the text. Can you see it? Do you see it for yourselves? Can something like this actually happen? I mean, seriously. Can faith in the real present Lord Jesus Christ, can it penetrate our world today? Can it penetrate the East where Buddhism and Confucianism and Taoism reign? Can Christianity penetrate the Middle East where Islam and Judaism hold tightly? Can Christianity uh, penetrate increasingly the secular West, our country, where the dollar, the euro, and the secular governments reign supreme? Can this picture happen? What's the answer? Yes. Absolutely yes. In fact, it already is on its way to coming to fruition. God's penetrating word is penetrating even now. Every culture, every tribe, every nation, and the church is always in the middle of the fire of faithfulness and the sacrifice of service of bringing this Jesus to people's hearts and minds. That's the joy that's the challenge of being God's people in this place, in this time. And this is the future that God already has made sure in Christ for us. So today, we celebrate. Yeah, we celebrate the victory that this heaven's picture already is sure and certain. And we also celebrate that it is even becoming something here and now as well. This is God's victory. Every nation, every people gathered around his throne of grace. If we're already that church, God bless. But let's always become that church more and more. Because that's why John says, after these things I looked and I saw what God is even doing with you and me. Great multitude from every tribe and nation gathered around the throne of the Lamb. So what I want to do with you this morning is I want to kind of flesh out that picture that, that John is giving us. In fact, uh, don't you love it? Um, sometimes you wonder where some of these songs come from in our liturgy. We just sang one of these songs. Um, this is the feast of victory for our God. Where did that song come from? Where did that song come from? It came from Revelation. And so it's one of those songs, um, you know, we don't have to learn every song, right? And there's some songs that are going to kind of pass away. You better learn this Revelation song because you're going to be singing it in your future. 
Because that's what they were singing as they were gathered around the throne of the victory of the Lamb who was slain, who had begun his reign. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be that All Saints Church on his Revelation 7 mission. So to be that church on his mission, we've got to always see what God sees. We've got to see ourselves from God's point of view. So when God looks at you and me, what does he see? Well, Revelation again gives us a hint. Each one was gathered around the throne. They were clothed in white robes. Those robes had been washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. Here's the point. You weren't clean on your own. Here's the point. He had to actually bring that righteousness, that cleansing power to your life as a gift. And he did. Why? Because salvation belongs to our God. Salvation is not something that we earn. Salvation is not something, I know on Tuesday we think we're going to solve a bunch of problems. We will. We'll solve some. But we don't solve the biggies. Only God can do that. And he did that through his cross. And he did that through the resurrection. And he says, and here's the robe of that righteousness that will hold you now and will actually cause you to live forever. These clean robes are a gift from God. In fact, I always ask the church, why do we pastors wear robes? Anybody? Why do we wear robes? Is it so that we can look stylish? Kind of stand apart? No, we wear robes because we want to make sure you remember you have a robe on. The only way you get into church is whether is if Christ robes you with his righteousness. If Christ covers your sin with his righteousness. And this offer of a robe is God's gift to you. It's God's gift to me, and it's God's gift to every human being out there if they will receive it. Wow. See, Christianity is no religion. It's an offer of grace. It's a proclamation of freedom. It's something that has come as a gift into this world because God sent his Son so that we might all be saved. You know, and even growing in Christ is not some spiritual Olympics where you finally show how much stronger in faith you are than somebody else. No, even growing stronger in God's grace is so that you might be able to serve others who need God's gift, and they're going to push you, and you've got to have the strength to hang in there with them. It's a whole different way of living. In fact, when we talk about holiness, even holiness is a gift we receive, and it's a power and strength we want to share. The world doesn't see religion and faith that way, do they? I was reminded of the story. Um, do you remember back in the 60s and the 70s, the Eastern religions were kind of, I think I even saw something in your bulletin about the New Age religions. These are kind of these Eastern religions. And they were, the, they were the new thing in the block. And it tempted people away from Christ to think about their own spiritual power and what maybe they could do if they just tried their hardest. And I remember there was a story of this guy named Rao. And he was a Hindu man. And he actually came to fame in the mid-60s. And he told people that he was a mystic who had special powers from God. In fact, he promised the people that with his special power, if you actually followed him he could show you things that you could do in God's name and God's power that no one else could do and to prove that he said I'm gonna walk on water I'm gonna walk on water for all to see he sold tickets hundred dollars a pop back in the 60s that was a lot of money and uh, he sold those tickets and he gathered 
Bombay's, well actually Mumbai today, Bombay's elite, and they all came out, about 650 people came out to watch him as he was doing his chanting and he was doing all these different things, and, he, and they came out and they gathered and they watched, and then suddenly he stood right before the water on this pool, and he was going to demonstrate his spiritual power and his spiritual promise, and he walked right out, and guess what happened? He went right to the bottom. And then he came out of the water. And what did he say? Did he say, oh, I'm so sorry for fleecing you out of your $100? Or did he say something like that? No, what he did is when he got out of that water, he was raging. He said, one of you, one of you in this midst is an unbeliever. And that's why I couldn't do my great work. And he walked away. He missed the whole point of being a spiritual person, didn't he? He was trying to demonstrate that he had some kind of unique power. He was trying to demonstrate that he was something much better than you. He was trying to demonstrate that, you know, if you just followed him, he might give you some of his grace. That's not even how Jesus talks. Because when Jesus walked on the water, he walked on the water for you, not for himself. He didn't walk on the water to demonstrate that he was such a great guy and maybe he might give you a little of his grace. He walked on water, went to a cross so that he might pour himself out for you so that you might be holied in his name as a gift. Christianity is not a religion. It's an offer of grace from God. And that's why robes are so important in this picture because God is saying, look, I have to robe you but I'll robe you white as snow, and I will do that for every human being on the face of the planet. Wow. We have the same Savior. He's who bonds us together. We have the same forgiveness. We have the same baptism. We have the same supper that literally connects us to the same Savior that we all hold dear, and we all someday will even be singing the same song. Salvation belongs to our God, and we are his people. So, to be his All Saints Church, you got to see yourself as he sees you. Now, to be his All Saints Church on a mission, we also have to see his church the way God sees his church. Now, when God looks at us, what does he see? Well, what he sees is that you are a gathered group of forgiven what? Sinners. That's what we are. We're forgiven sinners. We are his precious uh, possession. But again, he has gifted that, us with that relationship. We must see the church as he sees it. We are important. We are unique. But ultimately, we are blessed by what he is for us. Now listen, I know that people don't value the church much today. I get that. Uh, I don't know that the world has ever really valued the church, though. Okay? So no matter what our time and place is, let's understand this. We are his church, and we are his church for the sake of others. We're not merely a country club of like-minded folks. We are not merely a place to meet folks like ourselves. We are not merely a place to gather so that the world might become a better place. We are a people who gather in front of the, the throne of God's grace and God's forgiveness, God's joy and God's peace. How many of you are excited that Christmas is coming again? How many of you are scared to death by Good Friday? How many of you are elated by Easter morning? Uh, there is no other message like that in the world. That's why we're in this place. This is a place to get ready for heaven, folks. This is a place where heaven starts now. And that's an all-nations kind of thing. 
Uh, I've served in New York City, I've served in Los Angeles, I've served in some of the toughest cities in our country, and guess what I'm finding out? This message cuts through all the nonsense and draws all people to itself. It's an all nations kind of thing, because Jesus came for every human being on the face of the planet. And that common bond of faith, it can hold people like us. Let's learn how to continue to be bonded together, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus Christ is. Let's learn to be bonded by his forgiveness, his life, his salvation, his supper. Let those things bond you together. And, though, and you'll find out that Jesus Christ's grip on you and me, it never, ever slips. You know, when you have a bond of love like that in your life, it can make a difference, can't it? How many of you have a bond like, let's say, your, your mom's love or your, your dad's love or your, your friend's love? You know, and it bonds you, doesn't it? It holds you. Um, there's a movie. It, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a favorite movie of mine because it's kind of a coarse movie, but it's about Detroit, and I'm from Detroit, so, you know, I like it. Um, it was called The Four Brothers. And uh, it, it, like I said, it's a little bit of a tough movie, a little bit of coarse language in it because it's about the streets of Detroit and a lot of the problems in the world of Detroit. Um, but I tell you this, this movie because in the movie there was this woman named Evelyn Mercer and she was a person who took in uh, children. You know, and she actually was always trying to place them in adoptive homes, but uh, there were certain folks, there were certain kids that she couldn't even place, and she actually adopted those kids herself. It was a, it was a powerful uh, message of what a mother's love could actually do in the lives of some pretty reprobate kids. Um, it was a coarse movie, but one of the messages of that movie is that even in a world of violence and in discord, uh, even in a place where gangs still reign supreme, there can be a, a something that bonds and something that helps empower people to overcome those things. There was something powerful enough to overcome heartbreak and real discord, and in this particular movie, it was a mother's love. Now, here's one of the lines in that movie. Ready? It's between two detectives. One's Detective Fowler, and he says to Green, he said, look, uh, Green, he said, if this woman, Mercer, is such a saint, because she gets killed in the movie, she said, how did she end up raising four such terrible loser kids? Her adopted kids. And Green says this, listen, Fowler, he said, Evelyn, she cycled hundreds of kids out of the foster program into permanent homes, and in 30 years she came across four truly lost causes. Four delinquents who were so far gone she couldn't find anyone to take them. So she did, and she adopted them all. Trust me, Father, these kids are congressmen compared to what they would have been. A mother's love, committed love, it can make a difference even in this world. Well, Revelation 7 is saying, if that's what a mom's love or a dad's love can do, what can the committed love of God who sends his son do in the person and work of Jesus Christ? So the church never says that we're special because of who we are. We say we're special because of who Christ is. And his common bond of faith that bonds us to himself, it actually makes a difference in all of our lives. That's what we invite people to be as All Saints people in this place. So finally this. This is the picture of God's victory. This is his Revelation 7 mission. And he says, you and I get to be part of that mission. We're his people in this place for the sake of others. And he's going to even bring those people into your lives as well. 
Don't forget, the text says they were worshiping at the throne of the Lamb who was slain. The Lamb who actually had to sacrifice himself to take upon himself his reign. And so again, if you're nervous about being God's people in this place, I'm going to tell you two things. Christ never lets his people down. That's the first thing. As you go about your business being his, his, his people in this place, he never lets his people down. And he also gives you the strength and the power necessary to be who he created and redeemed you to be in the lives of other people. We get to be his hands and feet, and he is our savior in all things. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a big challenge. I get nervous about that challenge sometimes because of who I am, not because of who Jesus is. And as I struggle with this kind of thing, I think, wow, Lord, am I up to the task? Do I have the strength and ability to do what you want me to do? I'm going to ask you one last question before I close here. How many of you enjoy getting old? Raise your hands. <laughs> I don't. You know, I was just thinking about what I used to be able to do 20 years ago. You know, God wants him to be his hands and feet, but these hands aren't working so good anymore. You know, we were talking about arthritis around the table last night. I didn't appreciate that conversation, did you? You know, we were talking about how we, what we can't do. But I want you to understand something today. That's the wrong way to think about who you are. The right way to think about you, who you are is you get to have a life in Christ for others, and we, our job this side of heaven is to spend that life until we see him face to face. And when you see him face to face, there will be no more tears, like Revelation says, because that stuff will have been passed away. And I'm now starting to learn that spending my life in Christ for others now is worth it. And sometimes as I get older and I realize there's sacrifices that need to be made, and they're hard, as I get older and realize that this stuff is not easy to do, that's okay. Because I have purpose in what I'm doing now. I see what Christ is doing with my successes. I see what he's doing with my failures. I'm willing to be whatever he wants in his hands for the sake of others. And even if you're struggling right now, maybe someone is seeing you and the increased dependence you have on God, and they're saying, wow, even in their struggles, look who they run to. They run to Jesus. And that even of itself is a testimony that God can use. Spend your life because you can't spend, outspend God. He, you can't outgive God. He's even got heaven in store for all of us who walk in his ways for the sake of others. That's a life that will never stop being lived. So members of Grace Lutheran, on this, in the shadow of all saints, as we talk about the Revelation mission, Lay down your lives in service to those God brings in your life. Be servants of the Lamb who was slain and know that he has begun his reign and you are already reigning with him. And God has a life for you to live so that others might get to know him too. And this is all coming to fruition in the picture you see today. Can you see it? Can you see it? Because you're in that picture too. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. It's great to be with you today. God bless you. Amen.